0: Should we in this country, I mean, have you not read what's been happening in Wisconsin?
1: Yes, I, I, I
2: have. A
0: school for children who can only use sign Correct. language. And 200, 200. Them have, their char- have their childhoods completely wrecked yeah. by this priest. And entreaties are addressed to the man who is now Pope, Cardinal Ratzinger, the man who was saying at the time that the only problem with the scandal was there was a press campaign against the church. The abuse was not the problem.
1: didn't take long to find a game where the object is revenge. Find and rape the woman who fired the player from his imaginary job. Most of this game, we
3: cannot show you. We tried to make a citizen's arrest of Rove and advance toward him with a pair of handcuffs.
0: Look what you did. You, You outed a CIA officer. You lied to take us to war. You ruined the country. Totally ruined the country.
3: Drill baby, drill and drill now. The club features risque live floor shows with lesbian
1: and bondage scenes. But a visit there by a political consultant has put Republican National Committee boss Michael Steele in the hot seat. Drill, baby, drill, and drill now. Ow! Piece of crusty French bread that found its way into the Collider's inner workings, disrupting work for days. Professor Holger Beck-Nielsen
2: explains his theory it would look as if the future has an influence on what happens today or yesterday. So it would look as if some effect from the future goes back to us
1: today. It's Friday, April 30th, 2010, and you've got Oz in your ears.
0: I'm your host Peter Bergman. My co-host David Osmond. I'm either a dinosaur or a butterfly. I'm trying to figure it out. David.
1: Well, you look like both. You know, you've got you're kind of a shapeshifter. I was thinking, you know, if 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 the future comes back and affects the present. First of all, I've got to give a caveat. Sure. P- Professor Holger Nielsen is real. It's not one of us trying to be him. <laughs>
0: no. That's a real guy. Sure. Well, they're inflicted with these voices. That's why we make fun of them. But but they're bright bright guys. Okay, yeah. They're
1: very bright guys. Von Holzer, yeah. yeah so and and, very, and he's not the guy that left the baguette in the super collider. No, no, no. He's saying the future brought that baguette crust
0: into the super collider. I think... He's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you know, uh, he's been reading too much science fiction, I got to say. I think that that's... Uh, Ab- absolutely. You know, yeah, you can't you can't move, well, a future baguette. I mean, it's hard to think of a baguette in the future. Baguettes are always in the past somehow. Honey, did you get another baguette? No, yeah. you ate it. Uh, no, this it's baguette gone. is stale. It's <laughs>
1: never like this baguette is future fresh, right? <laughs> There's none of that. Well, if Carl Rove had been able to look into the future and know that people are going to come running at him with pink ribbons and handcuffs. He would never have shown
0: up for that uh, for that puff piece. Oh, and that—but it's the lady, you know, this lady in Desperate. She's, you know, just has been what— uh, just lied to beyond her ability to withstand any more lies. She's had it. She's had it, yep. So she's willing to make a fool of herself and show up in a public place with a pair of, and get herself probably busted, right? I mean. But, but you know that, that. But I mean, is that level of exasperation where you just can't hold it back anymore. you got to yell at the SOP. Well,
1: well you know, uh, trying to bust people for war crimes is becoming very popular. Henry Kissinger can't travel to any place in Western Europe. There ready to bust his big butt and there's uh, George Bush when he was traveling to Canada this guy called splitting the sky it's he's an activist is one of his names was going to arrest him for make a citizen's arrest for war crimes okay mm-hmm. it's happening mm-hmm. all over the
0: place well George Bush you better watch it out because uh you know he's going on a book tour he is yeah that's his right. book's coming out he's going to be on a book tour in the fall he's going to be in the local uh you know, S&M, is that what they call that bookstore? Yeah. The S- S&M? and S&M. S&M. So you can, you know, you get one of those S&M cards. And uh, I think that's where all the Republicans buy their books. If they buy any books at all, they'll buy George's. They'll buy W's. They'll
1: you think buy, so? You, yeah. know, you think there'll be other women uh, with handcuffs coming after George saying, you lied, you took us into a war, you lied, and you killed all these people? Well,
0: I, I hope so, but somehow I think they keep those people on the other side of the doors of the S and M bookstore. They keep them at bay, yeah, yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah. and and probably for somebody's in somebody's best interests. I'm reading from Mark Halperin's recent article in Time Magazine. Barack Obama, right wing opponents cast him as a socialist failure. His left-wing hecklers see him as an overcautious hedger, but by all appearances, the president is on a path to be a huge success by the time of November's midterm elections. I've been pushing this line for ever so long. By Election Day 2010, Obama will have soundly achieved many of his chief campaign promises while running a highly competent, scandal-free government. Not bad for a guy whose opponents in both parties for the White House suggested he was too green in national life to know how to do the job, and whose presidency began in the midst of a worldwide economic crisis that demanded urgent attention and and, and commanded much of his focus. Let's start with the competence Obama has shown. As he proved in the campaign, he's a master of personal decisions, choosing people who are excellent at what they do, but also requiring that they play nicely with others. Overall, the White House is populated by hard workers who are rowing in unison to advance the cause and rarely take their disagreements public through damaging leaks. It is a fairly leak-proof administration, just the opposite of, of the Bush boat, which was leaking from head to stern. Obama's two best personal decisions are probably the two men serving right below him, Vice President Joe Biden and White House Chief of Staff Rahm Emanuel. With their West Wing offices across the hall from each other, Biden and Emmanuel often work in tandem, each doing more heavy lifting than is publicly seen or commonly known. Obama, who proved during the campaign that he knows how to maintain control of his operation without micromanaging, sets the tone and overall goals and then allows his Veep and chief, along with other senior advisors, to execute his plans. Emmanuel's hand can be seen in many facets of the administration's operational success. The White House controls the Washington and media agenda on most days, carefully coordinating with Capitol Hill and interest group partners. Bad news is not allowed to fester. And the greatest asset, the president himself, is deployed with strategic planning and tactical nimbleness. It's true, something bad comes down the line, Obama is right there. I mean, the man takes so many wounds. Obama has largely maintained control of his public image, uh, preserved the majesty of his office, a job that's become harder than ever because of the toxic freak show nature of our political media culture. And he's maintained good relations in public and private with the armed service brass, the intelligence community and law enforcement. You know. Everybody said he was going to be soft on the military and he was going to be soft on the CIA and soft on law enforcement. This is a guy that you know, never held a gun. You know, this, he's been very strong with these people. And he's, he, in fact, it turned out that in the election, he pulled a large number of what they call um, national intelligence Republicans the Republicans that are more interested in the intelligence community than anything else, and they trusted Obama more than McCain. I wonder why. The health care bill's passage is, of course, the White House's signal achievement and was accomplished without revealing the administration's cognizance of the legislation's stark unpopularity among the public. But beyond health care, Obama acted decisively to stop the world from going into economic depression after inheriting a mess from his predecessor, strikingly underrated. By the Washington Press Corps, are Obama's gains on education policy, including a willingness to confront the education establishment on standards for both teachers and students. Overseas, Obama has snagged an arms reduction deal with Russia, managed the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq exactly as he promised. It's not a good job. I mean, it's not a good scene, but he's doing what he said. He's eliminated numerous terrorist leaders through an aggressive targeting operation and laid the groundwork for dealing with Iran and perhaps to North Korea. In the months ahead, the president will likely pass a financial regulation overhaul once he can get the NOP off their butts, manage the confirmation of a second Supreme Court nominee with relatively little uh, commotion, announce the reduction of U.S. troop levels in Iraq to about 50,000. 50,000 too many, and showcase the undercovered gains on education reform. He's going to take advantage of the improving economy to tout his stimulus efforts and sharpen his Obama Biden future versus Bush Cheney past. An argument to help stave off massive Democratic losses in November. Massive Democratic losses? That just isn't going to happen.
2: Sweet Charlene McGray She was pretty as a posy in the springtime lady dye She would twirl around all day Get dizzy and she'd fall down in a haze lady dye And the country breeze passed slowly as I went to her I knocked upon her solid wooden door But her father he just looked at me And said leave her all call the law. So I could her paw in half with a chainsaw Light lay, up Light it up Light lay, up Light had a way of giving all the neighbor boys sensations like I, They would close their eyes and pray that their Christian God would lead them from temptation like But but Mama didn't want that girl to grow up and end up with a heathen like myself. So well, she always tried to tell Charlene about my little flaws. So I cut her mom in half with a chainsaw. Lay, die, die, lay, die, 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 lay. lighty Day, Lady Day, Lady Day, Lady Day. And now, sweet Charlene McGray, she's all mine, there's nothing to divide us. Lady Day, in a sunny day in May, it was time to ask that girl to be my bride. Light. So I got down on me and took her finger And I said to her, Charlene, leave the mat She just kept complaining that I killed her mom and paw So I cut Charlene in half with the chainsaw Light it Light it, light it, light 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 light
1: People have been toking up in the Cow Palace parking lot for more than 50 years. And this time, this time it was legal. The International Cannabis and Hemp Expo, the first trade show in the United States to allow on-site pot smoking attracted an estimated 15,000 enthusiasts to Daily City over the weekend. It's right outside of uh, San Francisco. They talked bud, sold products ranging from a $500 water bong to a $19,500 mobile grow house, and discussed how efforts to legalize marijuana would impact their livelihoods. Quote, we're exercising our rights as patients to peacefully gather, said Bob Katzman, chief operating officer of the expo, as he stood near the designated puffing area. We're here to talk about changing some of the existing laws, but we're not here to break the law. Katzman said it took organizers four years to negotiate a permit with the venue that would allow (laughs) marijuana consumption. It wasn't possible, he said, until a massive change in the political climate. Well, the climate is set to be tested in November, when an initiative that would legalize marijuana is to be decided by California voters. Now marijuana is available only to those with a medicinal use card. Such cards were easy to obtain tain at the exposition and here's how for $99 cash only Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Uh, no paper trail Uh, attendees such as shauna spencer of san jose received a temporary recommendation from doctors that allowed her to smoke at the event spencer who said she suffers from bipolar disorder said she had waited for more than an hour or maybe not (laughs) dr daniel susat Said he expected to sign off on 1,600 people. Wait a minute. 1,600 times $99? Excuse Mm. me? That's like uh, 16 grand in cash. He's going to sign off 1,600 people by the end of the weekend. He said a portion of the fees would go to charity. What portion? And what charity? The Dr. Daniel Sousa fund. Personally, for me. I'm totally for the legalization of marijuana, David. Absolutely, but I'm not high on those doctors who sit there handing out puff passes at ninety nine <laughs> a pop. What is this, the ninety nine dollars store? Oh <laughs> uh, no! Now for for those uh, concerned with the conspicuous equipment needed to grow plants inside the home. Mm-hmm. Remember, they they were driving around. Uh, police were driving around with infrared sensors to be able to tell if you had, like, extra lights on. And then th- that went all the way to the Supreme Court. And I think the Supreme Court threw it out, but I'm not sure. But for those who are concerned, Tim Ellis of Orange County has the solution, an 18-foot trailer that can yield up to six pounds of pot every two months. He, he needs it. Wow. You know, he needs right. he's, he's a medical patient. Six he's got to have six
0: every, pounds of it. Six pounds every two the months. The growing mobile.
1: Yeah, it starts at 19,500. Yes, Friends of Growing Mobile starts at (laughs) 19,500. That's six pounds every month. I can see it. There's. It's gonna. It's gonna be a late night television. Remember, we had Ralph Spoilsport. Oh know, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was delivered by a brown shoe square. <laughs> square the dead, the of, dead night. of night. It's gonna happen. Showing off every detail of his invention. Ellis said he rigged the trailer's hitch so thieves would need a blowtorch to hook the trailer to their own truck. They do come with blowtorches. Fumes are routed through a charcoal filter, and the roof has an infrared shield to thwart weed hunting
0: helicopter. <laughs> weed hunting helicopters can't steal it, oh, can't
1: boy. smell it, can't find it. Ellis said, offering his sales pitch: "Built by a grower for a grower, Grow Mobile." It sounds like someone, you know, it's, it really sounds like something every
0: seriously smoking home should have. One right in the backyard. Well, that is that is truly Ralph Spoilsport as he as he comes around at the end of how can you be in two places at once selling uh, you know selling pot down uh, in the back seat of the car. That's really amazing. There's, there's the bill that's coming up in California. Of course, this was almost done in 1971. We just missed. Yeah. And it was just, it came so close and everybody who'd ever smoked pot, you know, in the was growing a beard and... You know, saying, ah, it didn't affect me. I just play good jazz or I do good government or, you know, whatever it was Uh, at the time.
1: Yeah, I look at good uh, reflections through a crystal, whatever you're doing.
0: But what I like in this story is the mention of the Cannabis Law Institute. What's that? Well, it was certified last month by the California State Bar, Mm -hmm. the the Cannabis Law Institute, co-founded by Omar Figueroa. A graduate of Yale University, Pete. My alma mater. And Stanford Law, who is hosting a seminar in Sonoma County in June that promises to teach attendees about, quote, this fascinating area of the law. Don't exhale.
1: It's legal if you don't exhale. You and Bill Clinton can sit over in the corner there. You could be president, (laughs) too.
0: Anyways, how about that? So there's a whole law subculture.
1: Well there, up for this. there's a college called I think it's called like Oskerdam it's in Oakland I may have mispronounced it, but it's close and it teaches marijuana cultivation the culture of marijuana uh then they, they and then they teach it again because they forgot they taught it in the morning it's it
0: <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, it is cultivation 101 102, 102, 102, 102, 102.
1: 102 what's the difference man for you 99.99. 99.
0: 99.
1: 99 will do it uh i, I when i was when i left la just as i left la the whole medical marijuana thing was exploding and you'd walk down the street after you got your medical marijuana certificate by sitting with a doctor he says how you doing i'd say well i, I you know I, I need somebody to help me get to sleep that's it done right and i've been warned don't tell them it's for headaches for some reason they don't like that so uh-huh. i need someone to help me get to sleep you walk out and there are hookah parlors that you walk into with your medical marijuana certificate and they'll put hash on your hookah, I mean it's just like mini Amsterdam, and it was everywhere they're starting to close them down because they got much too outrageous,
3: yeah yeah, but,
1: but here in state of Washington has an initiative up to um, make medical marijuana real and and state of Maryland passed it in like
0: two weeks well, you know, if you can endlessly make uh bourbon whiskey in war, it seems to me <laughs> <laughs> that you know it this it's it's a it's a good product. It's in the same area as wine as viniculture. it yeah. is the as is the most what is it the most uh, genetically varied um, uh, 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 crop ever Absol- ever in the history of crops and agriculture. and they
1: keep they keep the provenance. You know, they know the genetic oh, yeah. provenance of those. So I'm th- you talked about viniculture. I believe that marijuana should have the same snob status as wine.
0: Oh, I think it will, especially coming out of California. And I think it would have been, it, it, had this happened in 1971, seriously, I think that there would not have been the wine culture in California that sprung up. Uh, sprang up immediately after that. I think it would have been pot culture right from the beginning. Oh, and we can also grow grapes. And so instead you know? of
1: instead of some wine snob, you know, sloshing this cabernet around and going, mmm, smoky up, Chuck," you yeah, know, yeah. you'd have to say, "Hey, man, look, ganja killer, sticky man. Whoa. This is the kind." <laughs> you know, you talk about the fact that it, there wouldn't have been as much drinking. I think this is part of the hippie fantasy. The hippie fantasy somehow is that if we could just get all of those politicians and all those people in power to smoke, they would see the light. But there's Bergman's law, mm-hmm. which is okay. a square who turns on is a turned on square. The health care bill has passed. Despite all of the opposition from the NOP, the tea Baggers, Ted Nugent, whoever was really, really unhappy with this, don't you dare, don't you dare give us more health care. This is Maoist, this is communist, this is socialist. I mean, uh, why didn't they say this is a Khmer Rouge? I mean, no, it's, it's just expanded health care, and it has five major benefits. So let's just go over them real quickly. So if somebody in your office or down at the club or out at the ballpark or wherever starts railing on it, you can tell them, look, first of all, The new health care bill allows people up to the age of 25 to be insured by their parents' health insurance policies. Young adults constitute about one-third of the approximately 46 million uninsured Americans. I've got a 20-year-old daughter. This means a lot to me, and I'm not the only one. There are issues involved. Whether young adults who live in different homes or states, than their parents will be eligible, that's a question. Even if they are allowed to join their parents' policies, these young adults may not want to if their parents plans only allow them access to a network of providers in a geographic area other than where they live. So yeah, this has it has to be tweaked. Okay, Benny number 2. The new healthcare bill requires that newly issued private insurance cover preventive services without copays and regardless of deductibles. Whoa! Now there's issues again. Uh, exactly which preventative services will be covered at 100% is not yet determined. The tests and procedures that fall under this provision will be determined by the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, a panel of doctors working independently with the Department of Health and Human Services Administration within HHS. Immunizations recommended by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention will be covered under this rule. This is all so positive for general health, and we know that we lose billions of dollars a year for sick time. People are too sick to work, and there are a lot of people on the job that are too sick to be there. That causes industrial accidents, poor quality—you name it. Benny number three, the health care bill prevents insurers from setting a cap on the amount of reimbursements they will pay out for a given policy and patient. Ah. This has got the insurance company's panties in a huge twist. The question still remains, though, how HHS will restrict annual limits and how much premiums may rise as a result of the ban on lifetime limits, which financially protect insurers from massive outlays for expensive illnesses like cancer. Okay, Benny number four. The new healthcare bill provides federal funding to subsidize insurance pools for medically high risk adults without coverage. And that's a lot of people, particularly a lot of people over the age of 45 who haven't had insurance and because of bad air and bad eating and bad this and bad that are sick and need to be covered. It also bans insurers from denying coverage to children with pre existing conditions. What are the issues? Well, whether federal subsidies will be high enough to keep premiums affordable for these very vulnerable Americans. Yeah, they're just we're just gonna have to take a look at it and make it happen. Also unknown is precisely how many people will seek insurance through high-risk pools or exactly what care these benefits will cover. And finally, Benny number five. The healthcare bill provides tax credits of up to 35% of employers' shares of insurance premiums they pay for their workers. This applies to companies with fewer than 25 workers and an average wage of less than 50000 a year. I think they call that a benefit to small business. There are issues how many small businesses uh, the credit will benefit. Only about 40% of businesses with fewer than 25 employees now offer coverage. Well, this will encourage them to do so. It will They'll also get pressure from their employees to do so, now that it's possible, now that it becomes more cost-efficient. While these businesses will certainly be helped, it's unknown how many small businesses paying relatively low wages will opt to begin offering coverage just because of this credit. The deal here is these are five real positive benefits. One of the reasons that the insurance companies and the right wing opposed this bill is they knew that once it was in place, it was going to be improved. It was going to become more compassionate, more humane, more cost effective. I tell you, by the time we go to the midterm elections, health care bill is going to be a good thing to run on. It's going to be the good big brother, not the bad big brother.
4: John Svensson was a farmer. He grew the Minnesota wheat. He rode there with his daughter. High upon the thresher's seat They broke down on the hillside The radiator spitting steam Went back to get the toolbox So they could fix the old machine With a turn of the wrench And a twist of the screw We can fix the tractor We can make it like new But that day they got a letter They said the power lines would come Right across their farmland Right across the setting sun So they gathered all the family And talked late into the night We cannot let them do this Got to put up one hell of a fight with a turn of the wrench and a twist of the screw. We'll apply a little pressure and we'll see what that will do. So they phoned a hundred farmers and drove to the Twin Cities, met there with the governor. And they sued the utility But after writing all the letters And paying all the legal costs To the power of the city Once again the farmers lost And in the still of the evening The wind is all you. I watch the waves on the wheat fields alone I walk the furrows of earth I plant year after year This is our land, this is our home This is our land, this is our home met her at the tavern But there wasn't much to say The power lines may come But they will not stay With a turn of the wrench And a twist of the screw What was once put together We can easily undo With bandanas on their faces Careful not to make a sound They loosened all the bolts That held the towers to the ground And several weeks later With nobody around The Minnesota wind blew tower after tower after tower Downwind of the screw, What was once put together We can easily undo
1: Time for Cows With Guns. Dana Lyons here. You just heard his turn of the ranch. It's a true story, is that
3: right? Yes, it's, uh, it's based on a true story that happened in Minnesota in the late 70s and early 80s. And I actually I researched this song by reading a book called The Bolt Weevils that was written by the late Senator Paul Wellstone of minnesota who uh when when paul wellston was alive he was my favorite u.s senator a real a man of the people and a great tragedy to lose him but uh no that's a, that's a true story and uh, it's interesting there's a similar story unfolding right now in wisconsin where the farmers are having their land taken away to put through these high-powered lines and they're fighting in every way and but yes that's that's where that's are they using the <laughs> wrench to bring them down um, I haven't heard that, but it's definitely implied. Yeah, um, there. The thing about the high tension wires is they're, you know, some some studies show that they uh, can cause leukemia and everything else, and so it's it's really. What's fascinating about the turn of the wrench song? I I wrote the turn of the wrench um, when I was singing for Earth First! A lot, and kind of a, I, I wrote it in the spirit of kind of a Boston Tea Party kind of sabotage. Yes. You know, the little guy versus the big government and corporations stomping on them. And what's fascinating about Turn of the Wrench is it's literally, it's a property rights song. It's 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 about uh, people who have their land, who... Are being forced to have these high tension wires go over their land, yeah. and uh, the misuse of eminent domain—the taking—it's a taking. Yes, yes, it's and it's not only a taking, but a health threat, absolutely, to the farmers' children. And I've—I've—it's uh, a malignant an, taking. An interesting thing with cows with guns is I—I um, I, it's popular in many different circles in both. Uh, you know, conservative, liberal, uh, left, and right. So I I, I play at uh, rodeos and vegetarian conferences in the same weekend. Yep. But uh, Turn of the Wrench has both a, a strong following amongst environmentalists and also has a strong libertarian following. People- Absolutely,
1: very close. Real. You know. By the way, that playing at a rode- rodeo and a, a vegan conference the same day. Have you ever been to the vegan ro- rodeos in Wyoming? with those soy bulls? Oh, Are you serious? No, of course not. But, <laughs> but it, it, it does sound like something that's about to come. Ride the soy bull, then we'll all eat them, you know? <laughs> I think that's a really funny Te- yeah, idea. Mex tofu, Mex Tex tofu. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it, it's, it's, um, it's a real story. And uh, on one of our previous shows, we talked about the fact that where is our power? Our power is local. Yes. I and mean, okay, this is web radio that gets off to Kazakhstan at the same time it gets to Minnesota, right? I've toured Kazakhstan. Right. <laughs> and you have, have you toured Kazakhstan? Well, yes. What? Oh, oh, that's good. I, another show. You know, another show. Another time, another road trip. But uh, it's local. We're talking to people who live local, and that's where the power is. And that's where the, the wrench that's in your hand has your local imprimatur on it. So... This is good, man. This is real good. We'll be back real soon with you, right? Yes. Okay. Dana Lyons, Cows with Guns. We're talking about the environment. Okay, David. Stephen Hawking, you know, the great, the great mind, the man in the wheelchair. Right. The man who, if he didn't discover black holes, has been falling into one ever since. Okay. <laughs> World-renowned scientist Stephen Hawking no. believes extraterrestrial life almost certainly exists and humans should be extremely cautious about interacting with it now he says to my mathematical brain the numbers alone make thinking about aliens perfectly rational said hawking Mm -hmm. the real challenge is to work out what aliens might actually be like Okay. Mm -hmm. He suggested aliens might simply raid Earth for its resources and then move on. Well, I've seen that a million times. You saw that
0: movie. I mean, maybe he
1: saw the movie. Maybe he forgot that he saw this all in a movie. Yeah, yeah. We only have to look at ourselves to see how intelligent life might develop into something we wouldn't want to meet. (laughs)
4: <laughs> that's so, in
1: other words, there's almost as if the, yeah. our reflection in the mirror is our alien self, the person you don't want to meet. That's, the other, that's
0: the other, the other, you know, yeah. always is that way. The enemy is the other, and the enemy is just like us except the dark side of us, as if we didn't have a dark side to begin with.
1: Yeah. He lives according to the, to the rules and the impulses that we won't admit. That's uh, that's yeah, the, the rules
0: other. and impulses that, that we, we won't, won't admit. admit. More mm-hmm.
1: even the impulses and the so-called instincts. So he says we only have to look at ourselves to see how intelligent life might develop into something we wouldn't want to meet. I had to say that again.
0: Yeah, it's just so surreal. Well, it's very sinister too. I mean, we did, we have seen that movie, and maybe that movie is uh, is. "Quote real unquote," in that we should be afraid of aliens. Uh, unlike the the guy who landed, Gort Venuti Nictum and you know and says everything you know. Cool your war thing here. The day the Earth stood still. Or I have steal. to tell a quick story. Our, sure, our,
1: our, my old dear friend and our mutual friend Paul Gorman, w- who I knew at Yale was t- had taken his girlfriend back to her room in the Taft Hotel in in New Haven, came to the elevator. The door opened and there was Michael Rennie alone in the elevator with this soft light and all Paul could say was Gort Venutai nicked him. Yeah, and the he, door, the door yeah. is closed. <laughs> Probably the door is closed on him, yeah. All right, so Hawking says, I imagine, he says, mm-hmm. uh, they might exist in massive ships Having used up all the resources from their home planet, such advanced aliens would perhaps become nomads, looking to conquer and colonize whatever planets they can reach. I must go on this.
0: Yes, is, that was Avatar, but it was us.
1: I know, right. I mean you know, maybe maybe he's <laughs> just going to the movies. He's been so busy discovering black holes and, you know, denying divinity that he's just oh well, let's go see a movie. So you
0: know. Yeah.
1: Hawking okay, concluded that trying yeah. to make contact with the aliens is A little too risky," he said. "If aliens ever visit us, I think the outcome would be be much as when Christopher Columbus first landed in America, which didn't turn out very well
0: for the Native Americans. Yeah, no, that's definitely the the Avatar uh, scenario uh, of that. I must say, extremely poorly written movie, but uh, that was sort of the way the plot worked in that. It was uh, the bad guys, us, went to another planet, them, and exploited them to benefit us. Us, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it uh, was—the parable was— about an inch deep but yeah I mean I think most kids in the country caught it you know when they saw the movie
1: now, now, are they coming for the cities of gold are they coming to find the trade mm-hmm. route to Mercury I mean you know here they come the, the new Christopher Columbus bringing with them what new diseases plague blankets are they, Are we going to sell them the United States for some like holographic beads I mean, what, what, <laughs> what, what's, what's going to, what's going to happen here? but I love the fact <clears> that he says hey they're going to do to us what Korea Christopher Columbus did all those not-me's.
0: Yeah, yeah, well um, I have the feeling we're going to have to stop this for a very important message Aliens! Every year at this time, the National Space Administration
1: requires all aliens to register Forms are available at your local post office. Those without forms must appear, however briefly, at the Bureau's astral offices on Nooker Street. Aliens, register now. Just as President Barack Obama is calling on the Wall Street Titans to ask their lobbyists to please stand down in this fight over financial regulation reforms, J.P. Morgan, the monster bank, is trying to mobilize its entire New York workforce to join the battle. A Bankers March on Wall Street. I thoroughly like it. Maybe we'll get a whole new genre of protest songs. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking with the Morgans. I know they're Gorgons, but they own my organs. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking with the Morgans. I'll take the onus of my monster bonus. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking with the Morgans. I'm sticking with the Morgans till Obama's gone. Uh, where is Pete Seeger when you need him? Well, unlike the health care debate, the shouting this time is on the Democrat side. And about time. Labor leaders are organizing marches on Wells Fargo and Bank of America. And AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka is expected to lead about 10,000 workers in a march down Wall Street in support of the reforms. And, And these are popular reforms. I know the GOP has stopped the process. They, they've, they've, they've got the filibuster thing going. No, 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 let's just say no, we're the party of the N-O-P. But a recent Pew study found that 61% of Americans say it's a good idea for the government to more strictly regulate the way major financial companies do business. Wall Street, watch out. Arizona Governor Jan Brewer has signed one of the toughest immigration laws in the country, requiring police to stop anyone suspected of being an illegal immigrant. I quote her here. Today, with my unwavering signature on this legislation, Arizona strengthens our security within our borders. She said this at a press conference recently in Arizona. Our unwavering signature. Does that mean her signature wavers generally? Has she sobered up to sign this piece of police state legislation? We'll have to wait and see. She said that her signature represents fast support for enforcing the law both against illegal immigration and against racial profiling. Not everybody agrees. The law requires police to stop anyone on, I quote, reasonable suspicion of being an undocumented immigrant. People could be arrested for failing to produce a valid driver's license or papers proving they are a legal resident. What constitutes reasonable suspicion? One cop's reasonable suspicion could be another cop's, you know, racial agenda. Day laborers can be arrested for soliciting work if they are in the U.S. illegally, and police departments can be sued if they don't carry out the law. So the police are going to be running around looking at people and thinking, hmm, I wonder if he or she is an illegal immigrant. Well, you know, back in World War II, they used to give plane spotters these outlines of enemy planes so you could look up at the sky and see what it was. They should give outlines of typical illegal immigrants, you know, male, women, and children. Uh, Oh, look here. Profile has got the outline of an illegal immigrant. Let's go take a look. Lots of people don't carry their driver's licenses or their papers. And they're going to end up in the who's go until they can prove that they live down at 14 Olive Street. The bill has reignited a, uh, a national conversation about comprehensive immigration reform. President Barack Obama called the measure misguided. I have to agree with him and said his administration will closely monitor the situation and examine the civil rights and other implications of this legislation. He also asked the Justice Department to check out its its legality. So uh, the government is not on the side of Arizona this time. I understand Arizona has a tremendously porous border, and it, it puts real pressure on the system. But I don't believe this is the answer. Of course, Arizona is also signaling to the federal government that the federal government doesn't have a good immigration reform plan. And now uh, it appears that Obama is putting that in front, uh, right on, on the front burner. And uh, we may have something by the midterm elections, but it's a very contentious issue. Arizona Senator John McCain has praised the measure, calling it a step forward. That's a dramatic switch from the 2008 presidential primary when he risked his political career to support comprehensive immigration reform. And that's when he ran 24-7 as a maverick, which he now denies. I suppose it takes a maverick to put the likes of Sarah Palin on his ticket, putting her one arrhythmic 76-year-old myocardial infarcted heart away from the White House and the big button. Brewer's announcement also drew immediate fire from Latino groups and advocates calling on the federal government to step in and stop the law, and on Congress to pass comprehensive immigration reform. National Council of La Raza President uh, Janet Murguia called the bill a watershed moment for the president and Congress and asked, when will Washington show leadership and respond to the state of emergency that our communities face by enacting comprehensive immigration reform, she said. Well, Arizona may be in trouble, but at least their laughing stock is up. Arizona is turning into a punchline, one of the state's newspapers reported after surveying the latest global commentary about the state featuring choice phrases such as wingnut paradise, nuttiest legislative body, America's dumbest state, and blazing a trail into the fringe. Hmm. It's, uh... Hardly news to Arizonians, though, last fall, the state's governor, again, this Jan Brewer, the one with the wavering signature, was caught on video in Tucson expressing her great relief to say the least to get out of that hellhole in Tucson. Oh, my. This is the state that recently passed the birther bill requiring presidential candidates to prove their citizenship by displaying birth certificates. Well, you know, it used to be flag pins on their lapels. All candidates had to have those absolutely Diriger. Now they're going to have to hang copies of their birth certificates around their necks. What's next? And then there's the new Arizona gun law that allows anyone besides convicted felons to carry concealed weapons without registration or background checks. So you can be crazy as a coon tick. You can be high on anything that you can get under or over the counter. And they're, they're glad if you just strap on a Glock and walk the block. Finally, for good measure, there's the Republican Senate primary starring J.D. Hayworth, a serious challenger to Senator John McCain and his now famous observation that same sex marriage laws would lead to men marrying horses. Well, I thought Arizona was big on animal husbandry. Didn't Carol McCain marry a horse's ass? Well, this conflict over the sweeping crackdown on illegal immigration in Arizona intensified this week as vandals smeared refried beans in the shape of swastikas on the state's Capitol windows. Refried bean swastikas. You know, I've been with the Fireside Theater for 42 years, and we're pretty surreal. But if, like, even... 20 years ago, I'd have said, you know, 20 years from now, they're going to be smearing swastikas made out of refried
0: beans (laughs) on windows in Arizona. You would think I was crazy. Well, Peter, surely Arizona can't be the only state that's lost its mind. (laughs) No, but it's a leader. It's a bellwether. Uh, It's,
1: it's, It's a mentor. You know, we look to Arizona if we want to lose our mind as a state. I don't
0: know. I think it's fried brains on toast, Dave. You know, my mom, uh, back in, oh, must have been 67 or 68, moved to Mesa, Arizona Uh, in one of those tract houses, mm -hmm. tract places. And uh, we went out there and visited her a couple of times. And it was my two small kids then, uh, Allison and Devin. And Devin was wearing his hair long. And he was not allowed to swim in the swimming pool at this uh, at this community in Mesa, Arizona. And so you know what my mom did? What? She moved. Good for you, Mom. She got up and she and her husband got up and out of there. And I'm so glad because Mesa, it was truly horrible to be there in the first place. You know, it's all pavement and it used to be uh, orange groves. And I'm talking 40 years ago or 35 years ago. And, and, it, and all of it's gone, all of it. And it's hot there.
1: Well, when, when, when I played Tucson with Phil Proctor a mm-hmm. while ago, it was copper days in Tucson. <laughs> and I went to open the car and said, oh, use your handkerchief. Don't touch the doorknob without a handkerchief. You'll get blisters. I oh. went, I want out of here. Like Jan Brewer, the
0: get me out of get this, this, this hellhole. Well, this is much too much. It, it's good to know we don't have to go there, do we? Well, no,
1: <laughs> we don't. But think about all the people, all those normal, regular, everyday yeah. citizens who have to carry their birth certificates and their driver's license, constantly holding them up so that crazed policemen won't come and take them away. No, no, no. I live on Olive Street. I'm, I'm, I've am I'm. been here for 40 years. Yeah, you look, uh, this uh, It looks like an alien to me. What do you think?
0: Yeah, that's an alien. Stephen
1: Hawkins said she's an alien. That's right.
0: I I wouldn't want to racially profile you or nothing, but you look like you come from another planet. Yeah, let's take you to jail and find out for sure. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, it's the border states. It's these border states, and one of them is Arizona. And there's, you know, there's this vast city and nothing else, you know, vast. And then next to that, what do we have? Texas which is vast
1: vast. and nothing else and
0: the border and nothing on the border at all except you know little little this little place where they used to have they used to just ship marijuana through there and so and that business that's all going to california now what are you going to do
1: well it's a much better border in california there's better food i mean you cross the border you're in san diego you're not in the stinking
0: desert (laughs) that's right and then what then how much more border that's it that's just Texas and Arizona, New Mexico, a little bit of New Mexico down there, yeah.
1: Well, David, let us let us transport ourselves here okay. at the end of the show okay. from arid, you know, sidewalk laden Arizona to Tang Dynasty China.
0: Oh, a little Li Po for you here. How about? Uh, <laughs> I love these poets. They had a great time back then, waking up drunk on a spring day. Sounds like good times to me. Life is a huge dream. Why work so hard? All day long, I drink lying outside the front door, awakening, looking up through the trees in the garden, and one bird singing in the flowers. Bird, what season is this? Spring, I'm a mango bird, and the spring wind makes me sing. Now I grow sad very sad. Well, I have some more wine and I sing out loud until the bright moon rises. What was I upset about? I can't remember. Now that's living.
1: Yeah, and you've been living with Radio Free Oz. You've had Oz in your ears. You can go up to RadioFreeOz.com we got a lovely little archives page with all the previous shows so you can just stream it or podcast it or Do whatever you do to put Oz in your ears. I'm your host, Peter Bergman, my co-host, David Osman, our producer, Bill McIntyre, the owner of Blue U Studios, this gorgeous place from which we broadcast, and our sound engineer is Dave Maloney. Radio Free Oz Design Group is run by Phil Fountain, who keeps putting up the most amazing splash pages, and the ones and zeros under the control of John Cumming.